Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book, movie, compare, and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the platypus with the heart of gold to my left... Wait, shit, you're on my right. The platypus with the heart of gold to my right is Ellen. You really messed that up. Yeah, I'm just going to go with it, and let's keep rolling right on into our rolling rehash. Look let's at that. do it. In our last episode, we compared Chapter 10 of Sorcerer's Stone, Halloween, with the corresponding film scenes. Harry and Ron are trying to figure out what could be in the package Hagrid removed from Gringotts that they assume the three-headed dog is guarding. And we also see Oliver Wood teaching Harry about Quidditch to prepare him to become the youngest seeker in a hundred years. On Halloween, Ron manages to be a jerk and upset Hermione, causing her to cry in the bathroom for the rest of the day. The Halloween feast is interrupted by Quirrell's dramatic exclamation of a troll in the dungeon. And Harry and Ron sneak off to warn Hermione, who is still in the bathroom. They encounter the troll and must knock it out to save her. When McGonagall, Snape, and Quirrell show up, Hermione lies to get Ron and Harry out of trouble. We also see Harry become suspicious of Snape, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione officially become the trio. The trio. During episode 10, Balls and Beaters, (laughs) (laughs) our Potter pondering was to wonder why Hermione would have lied about going after the troll. We got some really fantastic insights into this. Kelly and Christy agreed that she could have just told the truth, that it would have basically had the same outcome and there was really no need for Hermione to get herself in trouble. Yeah. Jan and Stephen both thought that Hermione may have been too embarrassed that she was hiding in the bathroom crying to tell the truth. But Natalia pointed out that she could have just left that part out where she was crying, which makes sense. Yeah, we'd been leaning more towards the idea that it was stupid of Hermione to lie, mm-hmm. that she could have just told the truth about being in the bathroom and Harry and Ron coming to warn her about the troll and arriving just in time to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd figured that there was no need to throw herself under the bus to save them, but my Ravenclaw of a husband pointed out <laughs> that the only way to ensure that Ron and Harry wouldn't get all of the trouble would be if Hermione had done something far more reckless and stupid. She hadn't actually done anything wrong up until that point when she put herself on the hook with them. Mm-hmm. It could have been camaraderie, as in, you're only in trouble because of me. So now I'm in trouble with you. Or it could have been self-sacrificial, as in, you can't be in trouble after they hear the stupid thing I'll tell them I did that led to this. Either way, it was a pretty smart move for a lonely 11-year-old trying to make a couple of friends. Yeah. Well, Quincy pointed out that because she never really had friends, she saw an opportunity to gain some new ones. And also, it didn't hurt that they just saved her life. You know, she she knew she wouldn't get in that much trouble being teacher's pet and all. <laughs> right. Uh, Crystal also agreed that with her intelligence and the fact that she had never been in trouble before, that Hermione wouldn't have gotten in near as much trouble as Ron and Harry. And most people seem to agree that she did it to make friends with them. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading all these responses. For sure. This was a great discussion. It really was. And our trivia question last week was, how many ways are there to commit a Quidditch foul? If you said there are more than 700 ways to commit a Quidditch foul, then you got that answer right. J.K. Rowling rarely missed a moment to toss in the magical number seven. Once again, congratulations to Quincy. 
Y'all are going to have to get up earlier in the morning to beat him to the right answer. Yeah, this is his second week in a row getting the correct trivia answer. And he is just, he's on a hot streak. He is. It'll be interesting to see if he continues this streak or if somebody sneaks in and takes it from him. Yeah. So let's just keep rolling right into Chapter 11, Quidditch, and its corresponding film scenes. Chapter 11, Quidditch. It is now November and the weather starts to get colder, bringing with it a frost that Hagrid is seen clearing off broomsticks for the start of the Quidditch season. On Saturday, Harry will be playing in his very first match against the Slytherins. A Gryffindor win will move them into second place in the House Cup. Wood tries to keep it a secret that Harry is playing as Seeker, but everyone seems to know anyways, and they keep telling him either that he will be brilliant or terrible. Harry is really glad he has Hermione as a friend, because she helps him through his homework and also lends him Quidditch through the ages, which he finds really interesting. She's also a little more easygoing about breaking rules and all the nicer for it. The day before the first match, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are hanging out in the cold courtyard during a break, and she conjures up some bright blue flames to keep them warm. While they are warming their backs, Snape limps up and notices their guilty faces. He doesn't see the fire, but in an effort to find something to tell them off for, he sees Harry's library book and tells him that library books aren't allowed outside of the school. He confiscates the book and takes five points from Gryffindor before limping away. Harry is sure Snape made up that rule and wonders what's wrong with his leg. That night, the Gryffindor common room was really noisy while Hermione is checking Ron and Harry's charms homework. Harry is feeling really nervous about the Quidditch match the next day and wishes he still had Quidditch through the ages. He decides to go find Snape and see if he can have the book back. Harry figures Snape won't refuse if other teachers are around and sets off for the staff room. He knocks on the door and doesn't get an answer. In the hopes that Snape just left the book in the room, he pushes the door open and peeks in. To his horror, he sees Snape holding his robes above his bloodied leg as Filch is helping him bandage it. Harry hears Snape talking about something with three heads before he notices him at the door and angrily tells him to get out. Harry returns to the common room without his book and tells Ron and Hermione about Snape's leg and that it must mean he tried to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween. Hermione doesn't think that Snape would go against Dumbledore, but Ron agrees with Harry and wonders what the dog is guarding. The thought keeps Harry up that night. The next morning, everyone is excited about the Quidditch match, but Harry is too nervous to eat. Hermione tries to convince him to eat something, but he's very put off by Seamus's not very encouraging words about keeping his strength up because Seekers are always the ones who get clobbered. Nearly the whole school shows up for the match. Ron and Hermione are sitting with Neville, Seamus, and Dean. As a surprise for Harry, they had made him a banner that said Potter for President, with a drawing of a lion that flashed colors. In the locker room, the Gryffindor team change into their scarlet robes, and Oliver Wood gives a speech of encouragement, and they all walk out onto the field. Madame Hooch is the referee and asks for a fair game from everyone, but seems to be especially looking at the Slytherin captain Marcus Flint, a sixth year who looks part troll. She then asks the teams to mount their brooms and blows her whistle. Fifteen brooms rise high into the air and the game starts, with commentary by the Weasley twins' friend, Lee Jordan. The quaffle gets passed around, the bludgers get knocked around, and Angelina Johnson scores the first Gryffindor goal. Hagrid joins Ron and Hermione in the stands, and they all look up at Harry in the sky, who is staying out of the way and looking for the snitch. The game continues, and Harry sees a streak of gold. 
He dives after it and ends up neck and neck and then overtaking the Slytherin seeker Terence Higgs. Before Harry can catch the snitch, Marcus Flint blocks him on purpose, knocking him off course and allowing the snitch to disappear. Gryffindor is awarded a penalty shot for the foul and Alicia Spinnett puts it away easily, scoring another 10 points for Gryffindor. Harry dodges another bludger and all of a sudden his broomstick starts lurching, nearly knocking him off. He tries to turn his broom around and realizes that he has no control over it whatsoever. Slytherin scores a goal and the spectators start to notice that Harry's broom is being weird because it starts to roll over and over before jerking and leaving him hanging onto it with only one hand. Hagrid says that only powerful dark magic can affect a broom like that and Hermione grabs his binoculars and looks around the crowd. Finding Snape and seeing him with his eyes locked on Harry, muttering under his breath. She points this out to Ron and rushes to get to Snape. The Weasley twins try to get to Harry, but the broom keeps shooting higher into the air. Flint gets a hold of the quaffle and scores five times during all of this, without anyone noticing. Hermione makes it over to Snape and accidentally knocks Quirrell over in her haste. She says the incantation to make the blue flames and sets Snape's robes on fire. Harry regains control of his broom and goes into a spectacular dive. Suddenly, he claps his hand over his mouth and hits the ground on all fours before spitting the snitch into his hand. Gryffindor wins by 170 to 60. After the match, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are having tea with Hagrid. Ron is explaining that it was Snape cursing Harry's broomstick. Hagrid says rubbish and asks why Snape would do that. Harry decides to tell him the truth about finding out that Snape was trying to get past the three-headed dog. Hagrid wants to know how Harry knows about Fluffy, who he had bought off of a Greek chappy last year. He starts to say that he lent him to Dumbledore to guard something, but instead says it's top secret. The trio insists that Snape is trying to steal whatever it is, but Hagrid won't hear a word of it. Hermione points out that he just tried to kill Harry. Hagrid still says that they are wrong and tells them not to meddle in such dangerous matters that it is between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Harry is pleased to learn the name Nicholas Flamel, but Hagrid is mad at himself and refuses to say any more. In the movie, the scene opens in the Great Hall with Ron and Hermione trying to convince Harry to eat something to keep up his strength. Harry protests that he is not hungry just as Professor Snape walks up to them and sarcastically wishes Harry good luck in the upcoming Quidditch match against Slytherin. Harry notices him limping as he walks away and tells Hermione and Ron he thinks Snape tried to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween. He tells them about his trip to Vault 713 with Hagrid and concludes that whatever they got out of that vault must be what the three-headed dog is guarding. It is then that Harry's white owl swoops in with a package wrapped in brown paper and drops it in front of the trio. They tear the wrappings off to reveal a brand new Nimbus 2000 broomstick. Harry looks around to see if he can figure out who sent it when his eyes meet Professor McGonagall at the head table, stroking the white owl and giving Harry a knowing glance. Decked out in red and gold Quidditch robes, the Gryffindor team marches towards the Quidditch pitch. Harry looks extremely nervous, and Oliver Wood tells him a story about his first Quidditch match that he doesn't really remember because he took a bludger to the head and woke up in the hospital a week later. Harry does not look reassured. The doors open to the Quidditch pitch. They all mount their brooms and take off flying. Lee Jordan announces the match is between Gryffindor and Slytherin. Harry flies to the top of the pitch and looks over everything. Madame Hooch demands a nice clean game and releases the balls. Angelina Johnson gets the quaffle and scores the first points of the game. 
Harry cheers and is nearly knocked off his broom by a bludger. Marcus Flint gets the quaffle and kicks Angelina before attempting to score a goal that is easily blocked by Wood. The match continues with more quaffle passing, more violence by the Slytherins, more saves by Wood, and another goal by Angelina. Marcus Flint takes a beater's bat and hits a bludger directly at Wood, causing him to fall to the ground and allowing him to score a goal. He and another Slytherin player sandwich Angelina, causing her to also fall. Slytherin then scores another goal, tying Gryffindor at 20-20. Harry spots the snitch, but before he can catch it, his broom starts bucking around, apparently out of control. Hermione looks through binoculars and sees Professor Snape jinxing the broom. She hands Ron the binoculars and tells him to leave it to her. As Harry is hanging from his broom, Hermione reaches Snape and from under the bleachers says, Lacarnum inflammari, and lights his cloak on fire. He stops chanting and in his reaction to the flame ends up knocking several people over, including Professor Quirrell. Harry is then able to swing himself back onto the broomstick just in time to see the snitch again. He and the Slytherin Seeker bump into each other as they race to reach it first. The snitch dives towards the ground and both Seekers follow it until the Slytherin Seeker chickens out. Harry pulls up out of the dive into a standing position on his broom, reaching out for the snitch. Stepping forward on the, onto the end of the broom, Harry ends up flying off of it. He stands up and spits the snitch into his hands, securing a victory for Gryffindor. Everyone is cheering and clapping, except for Snape and the Slytherins. Harry holds the snitch up in the air and the crowd starts chanting, Let's go, Gryffindor! Let's go, Gryffindor! It cuts to Harry, Ron, and Hermione walking with Hagrid, who is trying to convince them that Snape wouldn't curse Harry's broom. Harry mentions Snape trying to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween, and Hagrid wants to know who told him about Fluffy. Both Ron and Hermione are surprised that it's called Fluffy, and Hagrid explains that it's his and he bought it off an Irish feller that he met down in the pub last year. He starts to say that he lent it to Dumbledore to guard the... but catches himself and tells them, No more questions! Harry protests that Snape is trying to steal whatever the dog is guarding, but Hagrid says he isn't, that Snape is a Hogwarts teacher. Hermione cuts him off to insist that, Hogwarts teacher or not, she knows what a spell looks like. You've got to keep eye contact, and Snape wasn't blinking. Hagrid tells them they shouldn't be meddling, that it is dangerous, and accidentally lets it slip that it is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. He then walks away, leaving the trio wondering who Nicholas Flamel is. The scene with Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the courtyard warming themselves around the blue fire, and then Snape shows up limping and takes Quidditch through the ages and deducts five points from Gryffindor, Mm -hmm. is not included in the movie. No. And this also admits the scene when Harry tries to get the book back and catches Snape bandaging his wounded leg and talking about the three heads. Yeah, we already talked about Harry noticing Snape's bloody leg in our previous episode. Um, once they take out the troll when all the teachers show up. Well, the three teachers. Um, but they do show Snape limping away after sarcastically wishing Harry good luck in the match. Yeah, and that pretty much played the same role in the story to make Harry realize Snape tried to get past the three-headed dog. The book just spells it out a bit more since Harry specifically hears him say something about three heads. Yeah. But it did mean that the movie cut out one of my favorite lines. Oh, yeah. (laughs) After Snape confiscates the book and limps away from the trio, Harry wonders what happened to his leg, and Ron says, I don't know, but I hope it's really hurting him. They could have easily put that in the film, right after Snape sarcastically wishes him good luck, too. 
Yeah, for Quidditch. Yeah, after he's a dick. Especially because he was just a dick right there. Right? It would have made a lot of sense. It would have been so easy to do. And they just didn't. Instead, they cut all of it out. Ugh, rude. Um, The correlating movie scene starts right in with Harry being too nervous to eat, and Hermione and Ron trying to convince him to eat something, of course. In in the book, it's really Hermione and Seamus trying to convince him to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just another example of the film making it more about the trio rather than spending too much time on any of the other characters. Yeah, that that is true. But it cuts out Seamus's really encouraging comment about Harry needing to keep up his strength because it's usually the Seekers who get clobbered. Yeah, really encouraging. Way to go, Seamus. It's okay, though, because they let Oliver Wood be the one to inspire Harry right before the match. Oliver Wood. Oliver Wood. No, Oliver Wood. That's what I said, Oliver Wood. But Oliver Wood, though. (laughs) You don't see how it's different. It's very different. (laughs) Oliver Wood. (laughs) (laughs) And rolling on. Yeah, okay, but seriously, way to make the scared 11-year-old feel better with a heartwarming story of blunt force head trauma near death, Wood. Like, damn. Right? In the book, Olive Herwood gave an actually inspiring speech. She's glaring at me. Oliver Wood. Olive Herwood. But there was a speech that the Weasley twins kept stepping on because they had it memorized. And in it, he said that Gryffindor has the best team and he knew they'd win. And that's much nicer than movie Olive Herwood's story. Oliver about, Wood. <laughs> about waking up in the hospital a week later. <laughs> right. In both, though, Hooch is still crazy for wanting an ice cream game. Because Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. <laughs> but can we just talk about how the movie completely missed the mark on Lee Jordan's commentary? Can we just talk about poor Lee Jordan's prepubescent voice that had me thinking he's female for, like, years? I guess it, Lee Jordan is a pretty... It's it a, could go either way with that yeah, name. Yeah, it's an androgynous name. That's the word I was looking for, androgynous. There you go. It wasn't coming out. to me in the moment. <laughs> it happens. But really, though... Lee Jordan's inability to remain unbiased and McGonagall threatening to take the megaphone away from him is hilarious. Right? And I wish that had been in the movie. Like, Flint hit hard in the face with a bludger. Hope it broke his nose. Only joking, (laughs) Professor. And Flint nearly kills the Gryffindor Seeker, which could happen to anyone, I'm sure. Yeah. That bit of cheating didn't even happen in in the movie. Which, I mean, not that the Slytherins don't play completely dirty, which pisses me off, because... That's my house, and I love them, but they're... And they're giving you a bad name. They are. They're giving us a terrible... This is why people don't like us, guys. Like, this is why we can't have nice things. I like you. Oh, yay. Um, I tolerate you. (laughs) (laughs) This is why you're Slytherin. I'm kidding. I love you. But, better. But what I don't love, though, is just that they're they're such dicks on the Quidditch field. Well, and from the book to the movie, too, they really ramp up the violence. Yeah. Which like, they've done... Like, in the, in the book, they kind of don't play fair. Yeah. In the movie, they're knocking people off of brooms. Like, that's yeah. not close to the ground. No. That shit's dangerous. Right? See, instead of Marcus Flint just trying to block Harry from getting the snitch, he tries to commit murder instead. Yeah. Since the movie didn't show that, it also left out the part where Dean is all outraged about it and calling for a red card, and Ron is like, dude, this isn't soccer. I mean, you know, spectator's gonna spectate. I want to know why they said, why it said soccer. It really should have said football. 
It probably mm-hmm. was football in the Philosopher's Stone, but the earlier books were more Americanized for, for yeah. publication in the States. That's true. Things like calling bogeys boogers and football soccer and actually retitling it from Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone. But anyways. Yeah, you know, us Americans, we're too dumb. Right? <laughs> they fixed that in the later ones. Yeah. Can we just take a moment and appreciate Oliver Wood's just mm, sexy smirk? Oh, when he stops the goal that yes. Flint tries to make? We can take a moment. We can take all of the moments. Oh, all, all of the, the moments. moments for Oliver Wood. <laughs> oh, good lord. Thank God he's the same age as us. Otherwise, this would seem really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is within our age range. Yes. I also want to know why they didn't call a timeout the second Harry, they realized Harry's broom is being... Like, he's going all over the place. Why is nobody stopping this? Because then Marcus Flint wouldn't have been able to get the quaffle and score five times without anyone realizing it. Well, that didn't happen in the movie, only the book. Dramatic violence over blatant cheating plays better on film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> also in the book... When Hermione tries to stop Snape from jinxing Harry's broom, she accidentally knocks Quirrell over as she runs by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in but in the film, it, it's not really her. It's she lights Snape's cloak on fire, and he kind of jumps up and he knocks other wizards down, who then knock Quirrell down. Yeah, it's like down. a domino effect. But yeah. how the fuck does Hermione get down the stairs to the other side of the pitch and up? Maybe she apparated. You can't apparate inside the Hogwarts grounds. <laughs> I know, I just wanted to see if I can make you go all Hermione on me. Because that's hard to do. Not really, but it's still fun. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep rolling. <laughs> um, in the book during the Quidditch match, Gryffindor's score is 20 and Slytherin's is 60 until Harry wins the 150 points for catching the snitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the film, they had Gryffindor and Slytherin tied at 20. Well, a tie is much more dramatic and exciting. Well, yeah, it is. And then it was broken when Harry catches the snitch. Yeah, by a lot. Because he got that extra 150 points, just like in the book. <laughs> yep. So much was cut out of the Quidditch match, too. Yeah. It was just... It was all the action. They left yeah. all the action in. For, for the most part. I love, I love McGonagall's reaction to Gryffindor winning, though. She's like, she's got this haughty look on her face. She's like, I'm so smart for making Harry Potter seeker. Ten points to McGonagall. (laughs) She's just so happy with herself. She did look pretty smug. (laughs) Uh, This is pretty minor, but they changed tea with Hagrid in the book Mm -hmm. to walking with Hagrid in the movie. Yeah, sure. The conversation was basically the same. Yeah, it, it still gets the same point across. And also in the book... Hagrid says that he bought Fluffy from a Greek chappy, while in the film, he says he bought Fluffy from an Irish feller. Maybe they changed Greek to Irish feller because they were in a pub and the Irish are drunks? I mean, as much sense as that makes? That's rude. (laughs) You said it. I was just agreeing with you. I was just pointing out hypocrisy. (laughs) But... It still goes against, I mean, like, never mind the fact that a three-headed dog is a clear reference to Cerberus in Greek mythology, hence why Hagrid bought him from a Greek chappy. I find that's, I find changes like that annoying, and it just seems, uh, and unnecessary. It's, it's literally nothing to say Greek over Irish. Why change it? Yeah, I agree. And here's a fun story. The word Cerberus mm-hmm. comes from a Latinized Greek word, Kerberus. Okay. And that's thought to translate to spotted. Ah! So basically, Hades named his dog Spot. 
Which is really just as good as Hagrid naming him Fluffy, yeah, right? Yeah, Fluffy's a pretty fantastic name for a three-headed dog. I love, right? I love the trio's reaction to it. They're like, Fluffy, yeah. that thing has a name. Of course he's got a name. Like, what? I love Hagrid's just like, yeah, of Duh, course he does. This is my pet. It's my three-headed it's, dog. Yeah, it's really Don't... one of, the, aside from Hagrid mentioning that he wants a dragon, this is one of yeah. the clearest examples of his love for animals misunderstood and crazy creatures. ass animals yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's the dude with like the the murder birds and the and the murder bird yeah murder birders. he's a murder bird <laughs> <laughs> he's like hanging out there with all these animal crazy animals that could kill you and he's just like oh aren't you just a little sweetheart and it's like oh you're insane, Hagrid, but we, we love keep, you. Yeah, and we'll, we'll obviously make references to <laughs> yes. Hagrid's other pets because he has quite a few. Mm-hmm. And Fluffy is not the most interesting. Yeah. He's kind of like, almost almost reminds me a little bit of the people who like collect like swords and daggers and stuff and they think they're the most awesome things and I just kind of find them scary. I'm just Why like, does your wall look like that? Yeah, you're making me a little bit nervous right now and they're just like, but isn't this amazing? And I'm like, yes. Yes, yes it is. I'm just going to agree with the crazy eyes. I'm going to back away. a lot of weapons, so yeah. whatever you say. <laughs> back away slowly. <laughs> yeah. But let's just keep let's rolling. Let's keep on rolling. This brings us up to the actors that are in the scene. None of them are really significant um, as characters since they aren't part of the trio or the staff. Yeah. <laughs> but we still wanted to mention them because... And they're not really... I mean, aside from a couple of them, they're not They're not really real. They're, for the most part, yeah, CGI. Like, <laughs> we modeled this CGI after this person. Yeah. So. I think they showed them, like, when they were walking out of yeah. the tunnel the to go on to the Quidditch pitch. You see them in the background talking And, like, wait, the, the beginning, wood, but, you have yeah. the first one on our list, Jamie Yates, mm-hmm. who played Marcus Flint yeah. with his giant-ass fake teeth he's actually incredibly I handsome know, it's without amazing the <laughs> what horrible teeth will do to a person's entire face right it's unbelievable it's insane i remember friends of mine back when back in the day they were like oh my god marcus Flint, he's so it's so he's so gross looking and i'm like honestly if you just don't look at his teeth like cover up the mouth he's not that bad just and they the were the, they were like are you nuts and i'm like no I'm telling you. And then later on, we found pictures of him, obviously, without the fake teeth. And they were like, oh, man, he's really hot. And I'm like, I told you. It's the second, oh, Captain, my Captain. Right. As long as you're looking at a headshot of his and not a Marcus Flint shot of his. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But he looking dude. He did did a, I thought he did a really good job when the scenes that were actually him of just Mm -hmm. being, like, really, like, like, he was just, like, yeah, he was just intimidating, like, clearly jerk of a oh, bully yeah. Quidditch player. Like I don't want to run into him in a hallway. No, I didn't I don't want to play Quidditch against him. Right. No, he, he did a great a, job. Yeah. I thought he was an excellent jerk. An excellent <laughs> jerk. Well done. Um the next is Luke Youngblood, who played Lee Jordan. Who is in fact a boy. Who is in fact male. And adorable. I have to say I always felt like ba- I always just wasn't sure. Just the pitch of the voice just sounded little kids. Yeah, it was Sometimes a young kid you voice. Can't, I have, I've got a, a kindergartner that everybody calls a girl just because he has long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. I like you every, can't tell. And he, and yeah, he, like 
he gets really upset about it too and just be like Aww. i'm a boy and i'm just like yes giuseppe we know <laughs> like it's it just people get confused because of your hair that's all that it is you mm-hmm. just keep correcting them it's you correct okay them and yeah and, exactly um, but it works out but 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 yeah i sometimes with little kids you just can't tell yeah on the topic of lee though as as lee jordan i i think he kind of falls into the uh the dumbledore category where they didn't let him be Lee Jordan. I know. He, there was so much like part of the that they cut out for him. The beauty of his commentary was how much he really pushed what he should say. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. in the book, he was joking about how he kept asking Angelina out for a date and she kept turning him down. Like, it was yeah. like, his commentaries were so much more colorful. Mm-hmm. And they so- took all of that out of the movies. Yeah. Well, because they had to have their sports ball. All of the sports ball. They had to, you know, sports kind of sports. But it's disappointing when you have, it like, was. good actors that don't get to stretch their legs. Yeah. That aren't given quality lines. Mm-hmm. Which quality I feel like it happened a lot with the more minor characters. Yeah, and they're quality lines that they're that they're supposed to have. Like, they're lines that already exist in the original text. Yeah, why not it's, use them? You know, you're, you're editing all of this great material out and i hate that i just sometimes i have to wonder if the screenwriters even read the book right. i probably have said that before i don't remember for sure but it makes me wonder from time to time yeah. lazy script writers <laughs> like aaron said right that was aaron yeah lazy, lazy. script writing mm-hmm. lazy lazy we also had danielle Tabor, who was formerly danielle taylor Okay. As Angelina Johnson. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive I'm saying Tabor correctly, but it sounds so similar to Taylor that I'm assuming that's what it was meant to be. She changed her name. Don't know why. But she was Angelina Johnson and, again, didn't have a really big role, but she was Angelina Johnson all the way up until the fourth film. I, believe. I, think, yeah. she, I think they switched in the fourth film. So we'll talk about the new actress come that section, but as of right now, Danielle Tabor... Formerly Danielle Taylor mm-hmm. was Angelina Johnson and didn't have a, a lot to she do. Was, but her CGI was lovely, right? I <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we mentioned her because she was in them. Yes, it was our it was our introduction to her as a Quidditch player. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was it was very nice. She looked great in the robes. Too. Yeah, wish we could have seen more from her because she, as as we know later on that she ends up being mm-hmm. like one of the Weasleys girls yeah you know she's got to have a great personality like and she does end up being the quidditch captain later (laughs) on too she's got to have more about that she's got to have a very high um uh, bullshit right uh so i capacity i I do wish we could have gotten to know her a little bit more in the movies than Mm -hmm. we do but for sure um and then we the next we had uh will feekston as terrence higgs which i didn't even know that was terrence higgs like, in the book, they specifically call him Terrence Higgs. Yeah. In the film, that was not clear. No. In any way, shape, or form. Well, aside from Marcus Flint, none of the Slytherin players were clear. Really got names. Yeah. They were just Slytherin players. And they may yeah. have said his name at one point. Like, Lee Jordan may have said it, but in such passing that it did not stay with me if he did. Yeah. And we weren't about to sit there and rewind and rewind and rewind and keep watching it, trying to figure out if this dude had a name. Yeah. We just Googled it and figured it out. <laughs> Yes, so Will, Will Feakston. Um, was adorable. So cute. He was very adorable. 
Um, he was a very unslytherin-y looking Slytherin, mm-hmm. per the movie's description of Slytherin. Yeah, if you're just going by looks. Yeah, he was. He almost kind of looked like a cute little Hufflepuff. If I'm, if I must, if I may be so bold, but personality-wise, personality-wise, so we have no idea. He was a bit of a dick, trying to knock Harry I, off yeah, the broom. He was aggressive. Harry he's was much a, more aggressive than you would think a Hufflepuff would be. Exactly. That's why he, he's not a Hufflepuff. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he he did well. I mean, he brought the uh, intensity yeah. of a seeker, you know, when, when it came time to to actually get down to getting the snitch and trying to fight Harry off for it and everything. But I got to say, though, did you notice, like, Harry was jerking around on that broom forever and... When he finally gets back on his broom and he sees the snitch and he goes back after it, Terrence is already has already been flying behind it for quite a damn while. So he apparently wasn't a very good seeker. So, yeah, like how long did that take his ass? To... Maybe he had a really crappy broom. Maybe. It was slow. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I feel like that's not... But that's not... Uh, That's yeah. not Will Feekson's fault. That's... I never said it was. I was just bringing up a point. <laughs> yes. It was. <laughs> but, like, he seemed like he was just kind of following behind it. Like, do, 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 do. <laughs> like, I'm just going to float around here yeah. until the Gryffindor Seeker catches yeah. up with me so I can let him have this niche because plot armor. Yeah. All in all, well done. We don't see much for him later. We don't I, well, I, I assume he must now. be a, a seventh year or just he was that He's, bad at, he was, I at believe, being a seeker that that's why they replaced him with Malfoy in the second book. But we'll talk more about that then. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, our last two actresses, I really think that we only saw them CGI. Yeah, uh, but again, was... there may have been there may have been a live shot of them behind Oliver yeah. and Harry waiting to go on at the Quidditch pitch, but and I'm also that... pretty sure that they change actresses on these for later movies. But we had Layla Sutherland as Alicia Spinnet and Emily Dale as Katie Bell. Mm-hmm. So the two of them were also fillers, yes. in the Quidditch team. Even though more, they actually do have a little bit more that happens to them later in the series. I think that's why they pick different actors later on. I was going to say, there are different actors later, though, I yeah. believe. So, we'll talk about that then. But yeah, those are all yeah, of the sure. new people that show up in this scene of semi-significance. None of these people were huge. They're like, not main characters. You know, we've met pretty much all of our main yeah. characters. They're, we, we, got the, we got the big ones since the movie makes it literally all about the trio and the main yeah. staff. Yeah, exactly. But otherwise, I mean, casting-wise, I think they did quite well. Yeah. I Actually, doing this has really been raising my... Awareness? Appreciation oh, of yes. the films. Mm-hmm. It's um, not that I ever disliked them, but I, I used to focus too much on all of the things I felt like they got wrong. And now yeah. that I'm seeing how much they actually... Now, I may completely change my opinion of this when we get to later films. Mm. And they start changing things a lot. But the first movie is really staying true to the first book. Yeah, the first two, pretty they stay pretty close. And even where they don't, you know, where they cut and where they change things, they still stay true to the essence. Yes. For the most yeah. part. So we're going to see how we feel when we get to later ones. But as of right now, being more than halfway through yeah. the first book, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. I mean, so. there's definite things that I miss. Oh, for, yeah, sure. for sure. We There's... talk about those all the time. Yeah. We miss Peeves. Peeves. Lee Jordan's mm. commentary could Lee... have been way better. Right? Fred and George had 
quite a few more jokes that didn't get to be included. And... I wanted them to talk about sending Ginny a Hogwarts toilet seat. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, there's things yeah. that we're missing. But overall, doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the casting and the acting in the yeah. set. So we're just going to sure. keep this rolling. Sure. Is Quidditch how you thought it was going to be? Pretty much exactly. Yeah. I didn't... I. I didn't know about about Quidditch. Like, how do they get up into the stands? The stands just still kill me for there's, Quidditch. There's... I know there's stairs, but damn, that's a lot of stairs. It is a lot of stairs. Those are high as fuck. I still, like, I legitimately want to know her, how Hermione got down. Like, she literally had to find him with binoculars, so how did she get over there? Right? He was, like, on the opposite end of the pitch. I think that's our Potter pondering. People are just going to say she operated. Right? <laughs> Speaking of Potter Ponderings, though. We came up with two for this episode. And the first one is, is Quidditch in the movies how you pictured it would be when you read the books? That's a good one. Yeah. We'd love to know what you guys think about that. Right. Our other one is, how do you think Hermione was able to get up and down all those stairs and across the Quidditch pitch so quickly? So let us know what you think about both of those Potter Ponderings by going to our Facebook page or... Um, we'll put a post up on there and you can comment and share your thoughts. Share your thoughts. Thank you. Yes. Um, and now it's that wonderful time for our sorting hat story. This week's sorting hat story is from Quincy. And he says, my name is Quincy. I'm 27 turning 28 in February. My wand is 13 and an eighth inches. Ivy with a dragon heartstring core. I'm a Gryffindor. Yay, Gryffindor. (laughs) You don't often hear about eighth inches. Right? Eighths of an inch. I like that. He says, all I know is Harry Potter. The first book came out when I was five, and my mom, who was also a Harry Potter fan, would read the book to me every night. As I started learning to read on my own, I gravitated towards the other books and was soon reading them as they came out. When the first movie came out, my mom allowed me to skip school and took me to the theater to see it, and that quickly became our tradition. That's amazing. That's a great mom Right. right there. Mom goals, right there. That's what I have. Aunt goals. Aunt, yes. <laughs> As the books would come out, I would lock myself in my room and read them for days at a time. I cried when Snape killed Dumbledore. Spoiler. I remember curling up next to my mom and boohoo crying because I didn't want Dumbledore to be dead, even though I was fully aware he was going to die because J.K. had said that she was going to kill off a character before the book came out, and Dumbledore was the only logical choice to be killed at that point. I gasped when I realized Snape was a double agent and ran to my mom's room. At this point, I'm a six foot three, 16 year old boy climbing into my mom's bed, crying about book characters. They love it. <laughs> crying about how much I had hated Snape for him just to turn out to be on the side of the good guys. <laughs> Harry Potter was a huge part of my life, a series that let me escape from a world that bullied me for being weird or different. I've read the books close to over a thousand times each. I watch the movies every Friday on my day off, and since my mom has passed away last year, I've been reading and rereading the books so I could hold on to the memories that we shared together through the series. Every time I read the books, it's as if I'm reading them for the first time ever. That is adorable. It's such an amazing Sorting Hat story. It really is. Quincy, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Mm -hmm. We really enjoyed reading it. We're so glad we get to share it with our other listeners. And we're so glad you're listening. And we are so happy to have you as a keeper. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we call our listeners now. We decided that (laughs) in the Christmas episode, 
So if you didn't get to listen to the Christmas episode, that is what we were talking about because mm-hmm. Just Keep Rolling has keep in it. <laughs> so we are calling you the Keepers, which also makes a reference to Quidditch Keepers if and me- the fact that we want to keep you guys around as our listeners. Thank you for spelling all of that out. <laughs> I love you. But there's so many different layers to it. I just wanted to make sure people had all of them. <laughs> people get that there are layers. Like an onion. Onions have layers. Cakes have layers. Cakes have layers. Parfaits have layers. Lots of layers. <laughs> Rolling on. Let's go on to the trivia question. <laughs> Which is... What does Dumbledore claim to see in the mirror of Erised? If you know the answer, head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under the post with the answer and the code word invisibility cloak. Code words, though. Whatever. Anyway, the prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code words will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, or a just keep rolling sticker. And bonus points if you spell out invisibility cloak as one word for me, because that's what we do. And bonus points from me, which are worth way more than Ellen's bonus points, if you do two damn words like it should be, because it's code words. Hashtag code word. Hashtag one word. Hashtag bite me. (laughs) 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 Let's just keep rolling. Another way you can get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at JustKeepRolling. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. Any support you can give is, as always, incredibly appreciated. Speaking of Patreon, we want to give a shout out to Tabitha Dial for joining our Just Keep Rolling patron family. She actually has her own Patreon account as well because she has a business that involves tarot and tea leaf readings. And, and she has a cheese astrology book and deck coming out this year. Oh, that's so amazing. Right, because it's cheese. Who doesn't love cheese? I mean, vegans, but... But they like vegan cheese? Vegan cheese. (laughs) I wonder if she can do readings with vegan cheese. I would be interested to know how she does readings with any cheese. Well, this is something we're definitely going to delve more into when we have her as a guest host on Potterheads of History, which is one of the perks of being a patron for us in the higher tiers. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're really excited when we get to do this episode with her because she also cosplays as Trelawney. Which is awesome. Yeah, so the, the tea leaf reading and the whole, like, the whole divination thing all fitting together as Trelawney. Oh, it just sounds amazing. I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to have that go on. And just thank you so much for joining us, Tabitha. We really appreciate it. And we love having you as a keeper. As a keeper. <laughs> so join us next week. When we talk about Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.